This morning, I'd like to share with us, carrying on a little bit from what we talked about last Sunday about destiny. And uh, I like to draw our attention to focus on the whole issue about deception and destiny. What has deception? What has des- uh, deception got to do with destiny? Uh, uh, let's come to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we want to open our hearts to you as we draw near to worship you. We also want to hear from you. Father, we pray, O oh God, that would you sensitize our spirit, open our ears, that we may hear from you. And Lord, Lord, that we might be able to walk in the destiny that you prepare for each and every one of us. Father, we surrender ourselves to you. Would you speak to us? We come in the name of Jesus, silent every voice, distraction, they come from the flesh, the world, and the devil. In Jesus' name, we render you silent and powerless over us. This morning, Lord, we come to you. We, we ask the Lord, would your, Holy, would your Holy Spirit brings your truth to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We talk about deception and uh, destiny. Let me just uh, recount the life of uh, Jacob in the Bible. Now, very quickly, these are some of the things that I'd like to highlight to us about the life of Jacob. Number one is this, the Jacob father Isaac and his grandfather, Abraham, one of the things that was consistent in, that, uh, in, the, in the two men, besides being, uh, being part of the covenant with God, is this that they both lie about their wives, right? uh, trying to save their own skin. Okay? They right, lie about their wives and say that these are not my wives, this is not my wife, this is my sister. For fear, if they found out that you know, people whom they're dealing with in, uh, in, uh, in Egypt and so on, Follow that uh, they have beautiful wives, the people will kill them and marry their wives. Okay, that is Sarah and Rebecca. Number two, in Genesis chapter 27, the whole story is there that you can, you can read it. Jacob, uh, Jacob, when he was born into the world, uh, Jacob uh, was uh, one of the two twins, right? His twin brother Esau was the firstborn. When he was, uh, when they were coming out, this Jacob was struggling, struggling with Esau. Huh? Uh, what a sight. When the midwife delivered Esau, Jacob's hand was holding on to the heel of Esau. He was trying to come out first. He was trying to be the firstborn. Huh? Interesting guy. So, in Genesis chapter 27, we learn that Jacob deceitfully obtained the blessing of the firstborn. Right? Not entirely... Uh, his fault, but he was really after it. He was really after the position of the firstborn. So he offered Esau. Esau was a hunter. And uh, he also offered Esau a, a bowl of stew in exchange for the right of firstborn. And then because of that, subsequent to, to that, he together with his mother, Rebecca, Deceive the father Isaac. Uh, you can read it all about it in Genesis chapter 27 and how uh, he has deceitfully obtained the blessing from the mouth of Isaac on the firstborn, the blessing of firstborn. Okay? So, 
And then Jacob ran away from the brother. Of course, the brother was so mad, right? And he ran away, and the parents sent him away to Laban, his uncle. That is the brother of, uh, of uh, his uh, mother. In Genesis 29, you look at it. And look at Jacob, when he arrived in Laban's house, before he arrived in Laban's house, he met Rachel, uh, the daughter, one of the two daughters, and maybe one of many daughters, right, of Laban. And uh, he fell in love with her, and, and, and Laban said, you worked seven years for me, and uh, this one, I let you marry. Wow, worked for seven years. Very happy. Worked seven years. And on the day of her wedding, he went into the, after the party and all that, he went into uh, the honeymoon suite. Uh, and the next morning, he discovered that, wow, this one, uh, it's, not, it's not Rachel, it's Leah, the sister. Right? So he was deceived by Laban. Laban said, no, 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 Leah is older, so you must marry her first. Okay? Rachel, I also give to you in marriage, but you work for me for another seven years. Lo. Wow, he was deceived by Laban, right? And, uh, and of course, Jacob was, uh, uh, you know, trying to get a bit more from working for Laban for 14 years. And so in Genesis chapter 30, you, you will see how Jacob outsmarted Laban again, right? Uh, by... Uh, a bit of uh, trickery, right? That he obtained a lot more cattle, a lot more livestock than the sons of Laban. Okay, this man seems to be de de uh, deceived, deceiving, da -da -da, and all that. And towards the end of his life, he had 12 children from whom the 12 tribes of Israel came about. Jacob, whose name was later on given by God, a new name, a new name given by God to him as Israel. And that's why we have the nation and the people of Israel today. And Jacob, towards the end of his life, towards the later part of his life, was deceived by his sons concerning the death of Joseph. You can read about it in Genesis 37. So he said, wow, I'm going to go down to my grave in sadness because his favorite son, Joseph, uh, the, the, his brothers, Joseph's brothers, uh, you can read all about it and uh, so jealous of him and all the rest of it and sold him to Egypt and went back home and told the father, we found this coat that you have given. We found this coat filled with blood. Can you check whether it's Joseph's coat or not? Now, that was the coat that Jacob has given to Joseph as a gift. And he saw it immediately. He knew his hope was dashed for the rest of his life as it was, as it were. Uh, he was living under the, the, uh, the deception, the lies of Joseph was dead until right to the end of his life, right to the end of his life. Then he discovered that Joseph has not died and has risen in power in Egypt. You see, all his life, Jacob, 
was filled with deceit and deception. Deception is from the devil. There's no doubt about it. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Let's read together. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So the scripture described that he is the, he, this uh, Satan, devil, who is, whose name is called accuser. He is the deceiver of the whole world. Whole world means whole world, everybody. Nations, people, family, individuals. The whole world. The whole world he came, he deceived. He, he was a deceiver of the whole world. And so we know that deception comes from the devil. Let us be clear about it. And here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says that he was thrown down to the earth and his angel was thrown down with him. He was not alone. He came down, if you read the rest of the, uh, Revelation chapter 12, he came down with the one-third of the angelic population in heaven. There was no statistic that showed us, no reference in the Bible to tell us how many angels are there in heaven. But there was one-third. There was a whole lot of them whom we know as demons or evil spirit. It was thrown down. Deception derails destiny. What do I mean? Deception comes from the devil. When deceptions begin to operate, it derails, it's forced, it's delay people entering into the destiny God has prepared for him. Let's just, quick, let a, let a, just do a quick comparison. In Genesis chapter 35 to 36, um, uh, through the lives of Jacob, uh, at that point of time, until that point of time, in deception, deceiving, and all the rest, and all the rest of it. Jacob's descendants was but 12. 12 sons only. Uh, it was mentioned. It was mentioned as such. That there was only, so, so in Genesis chapter 35 was, uh, uh, to, to, to 36, it was described just in one simple few verses. Uh, these are the Jacob's uh, descendants. Wow, this man is going to be a great nation. This man is supposed to be the nation of Israel. His destiny was to be great. He was the, he was the successor in the line of Abraham to carry out, to live out the purposes of, of Abraham. But yet his descendant was only 12. But Esau's descendants were described, it was a whole list of them. They are called the chiefs, the kings of Edom. And later on, we will call Edom. At that point of time, just at that point of time in comparison, and I believe the scriptures is recorded for our, for our benefits, for revelation. And until that time, something needs to be broken before Jacob can reconnect with his purpose, reconnect with his destiny that God has prepared for him. Deception derails destiny. Deception, like other schemes of the devil, works in a structure, systematically transforming our atmosphere, our mindset, modifying our souls. What do I mean? 
You see, sometimes we, 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 we look at deception like that. I tell you a lie, you believe in a lie, you fall into my trap. No, it doesn't quite work like that. You see, the devil is a deceiver of the whole world. And, and how does he deceive the whole world? He set up structure, he set up schemes in order for people to fall into it. A lot of us, we do business, nowadays a lot of online business is going on. How do you, how do you succeed in online business? You create a scheme, isn't it? Huh? You create a scheme. There are a lot of uh, businesses that brings money, but you, you, but you need to put it in a, in a, in a, in a scheme in order to, to be, you know, to be, uh, you, you, you maximize your market, right? You maximize the size of your market. You, you get as many people in as possible in the, in the most efficient way. So the devil is not, is a greater being. Remember, he was cast out from heaven. He is, he is, he is, a, he is a powerful being, but yet he is still a created being. He is not omnipresent like God. Only God is omnipresence. He is not, he cannot be everywhere at, at, at any single time. He may be able to travel very quickly, but he cannot be at the, at the same time, he cannot be at two places. So how does he deceive the whole world? Number one, he put into schemes. Number two, he has all his fallen angels that follow him, that will fuel to activate. You see, he's very organized. The devil is very organized. He has to be organized. He has to be tip-top management, you know, God. <laughs> In order to make his kingdom expand, he needs to pull in all the resources. He needs to look for the root for every sin, every fault line, every generational iniquity in the family, in the person's life. He is like a roaring lion roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. He is looking for opportunity to expand his rule and his control. That is the scheme. Like any other schemes of the devil, it works in structure. The, the deception structure systematically transforming our atmosphere. Systematically transform our mindset. Even modify our soul. What do I mean? By transforming individual mindset, by, by shaping values in whatever means, when the values of individuals are shaped and, and sway in favor of the devil, because of his lies, his deception, and all the rest of it, then we will look at it uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in greater details as, uh, uh, in due time. And, and the society will be changed. The values of society will be changed. When the value of society change, it creates an atmosphere. It creates something what we call the prevailing culture, the in thing, the in thing. The in thing for that particular culture. If you try to live outside it, everybody will look at you and say, hey, what, what's wrong with you? 
What is wrong with you? Huh? So we have come up with a lot of uh, various names uh, for people. What? Homophobia? Islamophobia? Now where does it come from? Where does it come from? Because there is a prevailing values in the society and it is expanding, starting off by the transformation, modification of the mindset. Jacob is a good example. He lives in an in a, in a atmosphere of deception, generational inequities. There is the atmosphere of the family in which he grew up. I'm not saying that everybody is lying in the family. I'm saying that something is deeper in the spirit of the man. That he has a weakness towards lying. Today, if you read from the um, Sunday front page, front, uh, front page bulletin, I, I describe a compulsive liar. So, so he, he was like, as he were, like a compulsive liar. Whenever there's an opportunity for him to deceive, he will have no qualm about it. He has no qualm about doing that. He will do it anyway. So it modifies our soul. Truth is, con- is, uh, is obscure, is concealed, is hidden. Lies, if we believe it long enough, somebody say, if we believe in a lie long enough, you actually believe it as a truth. If people live in an atmosphere of lies, long enough, he may actually be so insensitive to lies, to deception. Now, that is, that is how deception works. And I hope that I will be able to, to, to bring a little bit more about uh, how, how, how it works out in, in our life experiences and so on and so forth. Now, deception operates in three spheres, as I mentioned, the atmosphere, the mindset, and the soul. Decept- people who are, no, we, we, we can come under deception. When we come under deception, means that there is an atmosphere of what the devil wants to do. There is an atmosphere of deception. You, you go into, I don't know whether you, you have ever encountered this, this uh, the kind of things in your life, huh? You go to, you are walking in a situation. You are living in a place, wherever it may be, you are watching online. There's, you're going through a phase of your life. Every corner, every turn, people, you, you see people trying to scam you. There are just scammers everywhere, from your email to your WhatsApp to your SMS. Just trying to scam you. There's an increase of this kind of activities. You meet people in business, you, yeah, you, uh, you meet people in doing any transaction. You meet people that is trying to be, you know, deceptive. And you get very tired. Under deception. It is not inside us, but it is the atmosphere. You find that you are, you know, I don't know who to trust today. Uh, the kind of feeling. The kind of feeling of who to trust. They're scamming and scammers. Surrounding you, I I have uh, I've lived through many phases, many many parts of my life like that, until I get so tired of it. People who show kindness at the back of it, 
uh, leather Malaysia, uh, ada udang di sebelah batu. There is there is a hidden there is a hidden scheme, hidden hidden purpose to to rip me of certain things, to 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 cheat me of certain things. Every turn of corner, that is an atmosphere of deception, right? The enemy has established it. One of the ways that he established it is through our generation iniquities, and uh, we'll look at it. Other ways how the enemies establish a scheme, uh, 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 create an atmosphere in which he can work easily, uh, easily, very conducive, right? Now, just like deception, there could be other things like like greed. Uh? Greed actually has come from greed. Uh? Greed, G R E E D. Greed is actually well part of the part of the deception scheme. People enter into a a casino town. They uh, they just feel that they they their their hope has a reason. They can strike it big, all right? They can strike it big outside the casino town. They don't feel like that. But when they're in the casino town, they feel that wow, this is a place where you make money, man. Wow, happy hours. By all deception, stirring up the greed in man. So under deception, okay? Uh, right, let's, let, me, let me just go on. Uh, we have much to cover, but uh, we will not be able to do everything. But you get what I mean, right? In deception, people can be living in deception. As I say, that if you live in a lie long enough, you actually believe it is truth. People are living in deception, which we are going to look at as an example from the scriptures. We will, be, we will act according to the lies. We will be led by the lies. We will be led by the deception. We will think that it is a truth, it is a gospel truth, it is an absolute truth, and we will live by that standard. Number three, deceiving like Jacob. Huh? Huh? Going back to in deception, he said, why is it that Jacob didn't feel that it was wrong, man? Huh? To, 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 or, or his mother, mother, right? Mom, Rebecca, didn't she feel anything wrong to help the son to cheat his other son, you know, to deceive another son of obtaining the blessing of the firstborn? Where is that moral bearing? It has been distorted. It has been modified. And what about Jacob? When he lives under deception, he's not breaking free from that. When he literally lived, he participated in the act of deception. And he participated, he comes into agreement with the lies and deception of the enemy. He becomes deceiving, right? And the cycle goes back. Because he continued to be deceiving, he lived under the atmosphere of deception. His son de deceived him. And he believed in a deception as truth. Joseph has died. As a result of living in that deception, he was heartbroken. He lost his hope. He was so sad. The scriptures say that the son of Jacob saw how sad the father was, they were also affected. And how sad he was. 
So he lived in deception until the cycle is broken, until the structure, the scheme that the enemy has put in our lives, the deception structure is broken. We cannot see truth. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 7, the story which we are quite familiar with. Let, me just, let us just read out to, together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the trees were to be desired to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they had so speak leaves together and make themselves loin clothes. Now, what does deception do from this passage that we see? Deception seeks to cast doubt on the goodness and sufficiency of God. When God has created the world, He said it was very good. In Genesis chapter 1, let me just bring out the verse which is not in the, on, the, uh, on the slide. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, and uh, right to the end. And, and God say, See, I have given you every herb. That is Genesis chapter 1, verse 29 to verse 31. And God say, See, I have given you every herb that you seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit you seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on earth, in which there is life, I have given every green, green herb for food. And it was. Then God saw everything that he had made, and it did. It was very good. It was very good. So the evening and the morning were the six days. Of course, in these verses, it talks about God providing all that man needs in his life. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, but at the end of it, God said it was very good. Means what? It is complete. There is no lack. But what does the devil do? What, what did the devil do? The devil came to mankind and said that you lack something. What do you lack? You lack the knowledge of good and evil. Which is not true. Lies. Deception. Because God said it was very good. It was complete. Sometimes we find ourselves living in the kind of lies. My dear friends, how, many, how often do we, do we realize that sometimes we live in that kind of lies and throw our lives upside down? Have you ever thought about, you know, the time when God has created all this? Huh? God said it was very good. Man was being created. And sometimes we, 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 
we, uh, we describe, let's say, in the marriage relationship, we describe our spouse, maybe out of respect, huh? out of honour, my better half. What do you mean by your better half? You are not half an apple. You are not half a dragon fruit. Huh? You are the whole apple. You and I are the whole apple, whole dragon fruit. Whatever fruit that you may, you may think of. We are not half. We are not all the half apples trying to look for another half in the world. No, you walk around, you're half apple. You're looking for the other half. Huh? So you walk for, you look, you meet the half orange, uh, the other one is not. You meet the half apple, oh, you're ngam ngam. We are not like that. It is lie, deception, my dear friends. We are complete in God with all that we need from God. Then you ask, why do we get married? Uh-huh. If you ask this question, you come for a marriage course. <laughs> why do you get married? You get married. We are not get married because, not because we are incomplete. Because we love. We are complete. We are able to give freely. And give, you give to somebody who doesn't need, what's the point? Hey, to enhance, to enrich, to add to. That is God's idea. Isn't it? And God say, seek me first, seek the righteousness and the kingdom of God first, and all this thing will be added unto you. You already have it. God give you some more. That is love. That is how God operates in His love. And so marriage is not about my incompleteness. I find my spouse to complete me. Oh, where does it come from? My dear friends, it comes from a long, long time ago. Some deception, some lie has been seated in the society, in the men, mindset of men, and men begin to live under the atmosphere of deception and live, in, live uh, in that deception thinking that it is the truth. And they continue to deceive one another. In a sense, not, not willingly, huh? not willingly. Or act out, or what I mean is act out, in the case, spread the kind of deception. Hey, where's your other half? Have you found your other half or not? Huh? Have you found your other half or not? What other half? I don't have other half. I'm complete. I marry, I get married because of love, and love is always giving. And it gives me great joy when I see the person whom I love begin to, to increase. Isn't it? That's how it works. Okay, just, just an example, quick example, right? So, the devil casts doubts on mankind. Hey, are you sure or not God is good? God is good. How come He's withholding something good from you? Huh? In fact, He cast the doubts. He skillfully cast the doubt and said that you need this all. Oh yeah, this is very good all. Number two, to cast doubt on the value of man. To cast doubt on the value of man means that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you're not the variable in, to, in God's eyes, lah. You will not surely die. You will not die one. When men begin to have doubts about their own values, they will do everything to boost that value, to, to make, to fill that deficit of values. Number three, to cast doubt on truth. Did God say, did God say this? 
Is it the truth? You sure? Let me suggest to you that you will not die. Lah. You will not die. But your eyes will be open. He distorts the truth. The next thing is, he casts down on the truth and we are, when we are shaken, when we are shaken in the truth, then he comes, deception seeks to distort the truth. He distorts it, mix it with lies. It becomes half-truth. Next slide, please. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to return to our destiny by dismantling the deception structure and replacing it with truth in our life. It is, it is a long statement. Uh, sorry, it's a short statement, but it, has, it is a long process. In John chapter 3, verse 31b to verse 32, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, and you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. We must first decide to let God speak to us. If we do not allow God to speak to us, we will not be able to know the truth, and we will not see the daylight of freedom from deception. This month, we are right in the middle of the month called the Jewish month, the Hebrew month of Alf, the fifth month of the month, the, 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 the Hebraic ecclesiastical calendar. Today, on the 18th of July, is the ninth day of the month of Alf. It is a day of fasting. It is a day of uh, seeking the Lord's face for many Jews. In fact, for all Orthodox Jews all over the world. Why? Because on this ninth day of the month of Alf, there were significant events, and I believe it happened not by accident. It was the day when the, the 12 spies that Moses sent into the land of Canaan and brought back a bad report that has derailed Israel from entering into the promised land. That has derailed their destiny because out of the twelve, ten, their eyes was deceived, was intimidated by the enemy. On the ninth day of El, which is, to, which is in 2021, the 18th of July, today, it, was, it also is a day of the destruction of the first temple in Jerusalem. What a coincidence. The destruction of the second temple also on the ninth day of wealth. In the history of the Jewish people all over the world, in, in England, in, 19, in, in, 12, in 1290, 1290, England has expelled the Jews from its territory, rejected the Jews out of England. In 1490, on the 19th of Elva, I'm not talking about the 19th of Elva, on the, all on the same day, in different years, the expulsion of the Jews from Spain in 1490, 
And also in 1914, the 1st of August, our, our, our calendar, which is the ninth day of wealth, in 1914, the beginning of the First World War, Germany started to invade Russia. On the ninth day of wealth, hundreds of thousands of uh, Jews who were kept in a concentration camp from Warsaw Ghetto, it was, they were transported to Treblinka, where it begins an event what we remember. It is the beginning, it is not the, it is the beginning of what we have remembered as the Holocaust. Oh, on the ninth day of Elf, my dear friends, could it be in coincidence? What is God saying to us? What is God saying to His people? What is God saying to, you know, to the nations of the world? God is saying that as the enemy comes in and derail my people, that is the time, that is the place I will also restore my people, says the Lord. During um, power station, I share this with, uh, with us uh, about an article about a decision that was recently made by the General Senate of the Church of England on the 12th day of July, which is on the Elf calendar, just last, last, just last week, huh? just last Monday, just Monday, right? The Church of England a general synod entered on the 12th of July, 2021, this year, which is the third day of the month of Elf. And this is what it came out, one of the decisions, one of the resolutions passed. I read us some of the excerpt of this, um, uh, of this article, Church to Apologize for Expulsion of Jews from Medieval England. Church of England reveals plans to offer acts of repentance ahead of 800th anniversary of the anti-Semitic degrees being passed. Next year is going to mark the 800th anniversary of the Synod of Oxford. And, uh, and in the General Synod, questions were asked what church leaders were planning to do to commemorate 800 years since the 1222 Synod of Oxford, 1222 Synod of Oxford, the Magna Carta of English Canon Law, which implemented some of the most egregious anti-Semitic decrees. The Bishop of Lichfield say that the church is proposing to hold a symbolic service on the anniversary. He said the Archbishop's office has indeed received a letter proposing a service that would offer an act of repentance at the 800th anniversary of the Synod of Oxford and its anti-Semitic law. Let me just quick fast forward. In, 20, in 1290, 1290, King Edward I passed the Edict of Expulsion, a royal decree which remained in place for the duration of the Middle Ages, expelling all Jews from the country. It was overturned only when Oliver Cromwell permitted Jews to return to England in 1657. 
The Bishop of Lichfield was answering the question in response to Mr. Jacob Vince, a member of General Synod from the Diocese of Chichester, who asked, have these fundamental canon laws, canon laws, canon laws is had to do with the government of the church, my dear friends, the Church of England, from which Anglican churches worldwide came from. You know, when I read this passage, I was very, well, I, was, I was emotional. And I still do. Right? I still do. Pardon me, huh? Just, just, let me just go on reading this. Have these fundamental canon laws ever been formally repented of in the intervening century? That means that has it ever, the church has it ever repented from this kind of uh, oppression that was oppressive law that was enacted in this land, in this nation, which was widely regarded as a Christian nation. Has it ever repented of in the intervening centuries? In light of rapidly worsening anti-Semitism in the UK in recent months, might the 800th anniversary next year be an opportune moment for the Church of England to consider making a formal break with these historic prejudices as a gesture of solidarity with our Jewish neighbours, England's oldest ethnic minority. Has the Archbishop's Office received, there's Archbishop of Canterbury, huh? Office received a letter and research paper on the topic of this October centenary, that is centenary 800 years. And are there any plans to appoint suitable individuals to investigate these matters further with a view to, conduct, to conducting a fitting service of corporate, corporate repentance? The plans... For the symbolic act of repentance will mark the first time that the Church of England has directly apologised for the expulsion of Jews from the country. In 2019, the Church of England published a teaching document entitled God's Unfailing Word, which acknowledged that Christian theology play a part in the stereotyping and persecution of Jews, which ultimately led to the Holocaust. Wow. The church, Christian theology, play a part in the stereotyping and persecution of Jews, which ultimately led to millions of Jews being murdered and million more being displaced from their home for centuries. You know, I, 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 I just, I, I'm just, I'm just amazed at this emotion. I was reading this, I said, "Wow, is it great?" You know, but, the, but this emotion was not, I sense, was not so much identifying with the pain of the Jews, but the pain of God's heart. The pain of God's heart. You know what pain God's heart the most? That when He see His people are not walking in the destiny that He has prepared for them. 
God's heart pains when we are out of sync with our destiny. God's heart pains when we are being derailed from our destiny. God's heart pains when we are being off track from our destiny. And today, one of the major, major culprits is deception. And behind the deception, there is a deceiver of the world. The Church of England, wow, it is a great time. I, I want to tell you this, brother and sister in Christ, it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> oh, this is a time to be a great time to be alive. I would love to be in that service next year in Oxford. But reading this, I'm already very emotional. But I love to be there. To, to, yeah, more so on this day of the ninth day of Elf, let us pray later on. For God to restore destiny huh, into the Jewish people, into God's people, His church, into your life and my life. If we have been derailed with our destiny has been obscured, consumed by deception, by structure of deception, all the rest of it. Today we pray, Lord Jesus, would you come? Would you expose the deception structure in my life, in the life of the church, in the life of this nation, in the nations of the world? Would your light shine and expose it? all this that we may make decisions similar to what the Church of England has made. You know, the English people, I, I'm sure that those of us working on, uh, uh, watching online, you happen to be involved in the provincial work before, you know it's so difficult to get the, get the word repentance uh, out of the English people, I tell you. Hiya! They can say, I'm sorry. They can say, uh, I feel very deeply saddened. I feel I'm deeply disturbed. Uh, I know that, but never repentance. I, the whole general sinner, when they come to talk about this issue, it's about repentance, 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 corporate repentance. Wow, something has been broken through. I don't know what is going on, but God is good. He is restoring. He is not dead. Definitely, He is not dead, right? He is making Himself known. He said, I am the God of the church. And let, let none of us forget that. And he said, I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Lord, thank you. And I believe that this is going to unpack and open the door of renewal and revival. It comes to the Church of England at a time such as this. I have my sensing, but I'll share more on Tuesday when we pray. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let me conclude by saying, uh, by reading these words. In Psalm 51, verse 6, you know, a psalm that is so familiar to us as well, that we've been reading it for the past couple of weeks. David say, in this psalm of repentance, let's read together. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Why does God desire truth in the inward parts? Because deception structure is set up in the inward part 
of our being. It needs to be dismantled. It needs to be dis- it needs to be replaced with a truth, truth structure that will renew our mind, renew our soul. No longer our souls are being modified by deception, modified by generational iniquity, modified by sin, modified by pride, until we don't even know that we have all that because we live in it. We cannot see the truth of it. I am going to encourage us. Let us tap on to what the Lord is doing in this month of Elf. In 2021, something is shifting in the spiritual realm. In fact, something has shifted. Let us tap on it. It is for our breakthrough. It is for our opening of our eyes to see us and who we are and to see God as who He is. And therefore, we align ourselves back into the destiny, the direction, the purpose for which God has called each and every one of us. And for our families, let us press in. My dear friends, this is a season. This is a season. Let us press in. Let us pray. My dear friends, I want to invite us to come to the Lord and give thanks to the Lord for what the Lord is doing in the life of the Church of England. I have many things, I have many of my opinions about the Church of England. You, you, you probably know that, but today we are not talking about my opinions. We are talking about what God is saying. Amidst all this, amidst all this, we... Uh, we see that uh, Lichfield, Diocese Bishop Lichfield is heading up this committee, this commission of uh, Christian and Jewish relations in the Church of England. The Diocese of Sabah has a long-standing relationship with Lichfield, which unfortunately, a couple of years ago, because of timing, we cannot go on with that formal fellowship. The details will leave it for other time. But you know, in the midst of all this, I just see that God is no respecter of person. He used anybody. Those who know Him and those who do not know Him, those who live a perfect life before Him or those who do not. His purpose must prevail. His purpose for His church must prevail. And today, would you join me to give thanks to the Lord for the shifting, the major shifting in the Church of England that will inevitably open the door for renewal and revival in the years to come for the Church of England and thereby for the Anglican Communion. Something that man cannot do, I cannot foresee that in my generation, in my lifetime, I'll be able to see the completion of it, but I definitely have seen the beginning of it. Father, we want to thank you and praise you that today, Lord, we give you all the honor and glory 
For you look at mankind, you look at your church, you look at the church of England, and we are walking out of your perfect will, out of your destiny for the past 800 years since 1290. Your heart pains, your heart aches because your church walked outside your destiny. Your heart pains, your, your, your heart aches because you see your people, the Jewish people, walk outside of their destiny, of their divine destiny, of their divine calling. Many of whom do not even know what was going on, but many have come into agreement with your word. Father, today we want to honour you, we want to indeed give you all the praise and honour and glory. Because you have not, you have never, in fact, sometimes you may feel like you have abandoned us, but you have never abandoned the church. Lord, it just, it just, it's just so awesome. You're just so awesome. That's all I have to say, Lord. Father, thank you, Lord. Would you in our own lives lead us, order our steps every day that we may walk out from this deception structure, that we may see the truth about this deception structure, that we may start to dismantle, reject, renounce this deception structure that has been placed in the innermost part of our being and begin to replace it with your truth, Lord, we pray. Take us each day, each, take, make, help us walk each step each day to walk into your truth. Lead me, lead us, have your way in us, Lord, we pray.